Hey everyone, welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have with me here Chase. That's me. And we are a horror paranormal podcast that likes telling each other scary stories, all the while we have cocktails, beer, uh, wine, you know, basically anything that we want, and also sometimes the occasional water. But and today we're drinking, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion, something I hate. Right. We're drinking hard seltzer. <laughs> we're, we're drinking hard, sel- hard seltzer. So the thing is, is I, I saw them at the store and I'm like, you know, I have a lot of friends who drink it. I'm just going to give it a shot. So I got the Trulies and they are okay. And then I got the... You definitely the, like them more than me. Yeah, I think I do. And then the Topo Chico was recommended by a friend, which actually had, I think, better flavors. Yeah. But the pack comes with mango. I'm allergic to mango. So, so I'm drinking those right now. That and might I don't be... even like mango. So yeah. I'm suffering... For, I mean, I'm not going to let any alcohol go to waste because there are sober children in Africa. So um, <laughs> That's just a tragedy. Yeah, we got to be careful with all that. But today's a big episode. It's the last episode of 2021, the last one before 2022 starts. So yes. pretty excited about that. We want to thank all of our listeners, the ones who came in recently, the ones who joined in sometime along the way, and those that have been with us since the beginning. We couldn't have done this without you. We really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to a solid 2022 full of weekly Hair of the Werewolf episodes. I'm very, I'm very grateful. I, every once in a while, we get like a message or just a friend who has been listening to it. And I don't know. It just like, it makes me super, one, it makes me nervous because I'm like, what are they going to say? But then it makes me really happy. And then sometimes I almost want to cry because there have been times where you and I are like doing research at like 2 a.m. And I'm like, is anyone even listening? Or like, is this even worth it? And then I just get like amazing feedback. And basically, the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is so I can have other people to talk about the things that I've learned. And that seems to be the case. And I just, I'm like over the moon about it. I got in this podcast because you dragged me. That is actually what happened. <laughs> so the good part is I've been doing more research and writing than I have since I left college. So this is good. It's I'm, I'm reworking those parts of my brain, which I like, and I get to drink. So I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> you get to forget about it at the end. So just as a reminder, at the end of today's episode, we will discuss the final movie. Uh, we're going to talk about Christmas Horror Story today. It's going to close out our winter movie segment, so stick around after the stories if you want to hear our thoughts on it. As a reminder, we try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible, and just, you know, in case you're curious, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the last time we talk about movies or have movie things Basically, until next October, yeah. with the exception of maybe if, like, an important one comes out on a Friday and we just want to talk about it a little bit, something like that. Like but, a new movie, but that yeah. would be just, like, one. So if you don't like that segment, don't worry, it's not going to be around for a while, so yeah. if you like it, sorry. Sorry, it's not going to be around for a while. <laughs> so I guess that covers both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if we have any new news. I hope everyone had, like, a great Christmas, holidays. Yeah, whatever uh, you do to celebrate that time of year, if anything. Or even if you're like, I'm not going to do anything. That sounds great, too, to me. Staycation. Staycations are some of the best. And, yeah, you and I had lots of food. Nothing like having your own parents and your in-laws <laughs> trying to feed you more than is humanly possible to fit inside your body. Yeah. And then when you're like, no, no more, they're like, what's wrong with you? It's like, I'm not even a growing child anymore. Why I are just, you feeding me like I just it? don't know what they see. Because sometimes like, I'm like, man, I'm really full. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, you you can look at me, right? Like, I'm not skinny. Like, I'm not, I'm not starving. Trust I think me. once we reached our vertical limit in height, they're like, "What? well, what now? It's like, ooh, horizontal. And we got to go the other there's direction. Infinite. Well, I mean, we could go until the ends of the earth. Mission accomplished. I think once my left side touches my right side because it's gone around the globe, that might be a good time to stop. 
then they just need another child or the grandchildren will be targeted. <laughs> yeah, that's why most people have grandchildren <laughs> yeah. to get the focus off. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let let me tell you a story today, Chase. I'm ready for it. Okay, so my story for today is Robert the Doll. Oh my, another doll. This is another doll. Actually, I haven't done a doll in a while. Like No, I know, but I mean, how many been... haunted dolls have to haunt my dreams? Oh, I have a list of them that I'm going to get oh, through. So like, there's... these are popular, well-known, famous Why well, am I just imagining dolls. you opening up a toy box and just browsing through? It's like, ah, oh, this doll, this one right here. Just wait for the haunted slinky. I want slinky. Chase to dream about this tonight. <laughs> All right, right. Tell me about Robert the doll. So have you heard of it? No. I've heard of Robert the Bruce, though, who's way cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So Robert the doll has no redeeming factors. But the story first began with little Robert Eugene Otto and his wealthy family who lived in 534 Eaton Street in Key West, Florida. Hmm, Florida. And the story takes place in the early 1900s. Okay. Almost immediately, the story gets a little fuzzy because while I was doing my research, I found many different theories on how Robert the doll entered the family's lives. So one theory is when Robert, who everyone calls Gene, was given a doll for his birthday by his grandfather who had purchased it while he was in Germany. The second theory is a little creepier. When Gene was four years old, he had a caretaker who was either Haitian, Jamaican, or from the Bahamas. It's very unclear. And it, I'm detecting some early xenophobia <laughs> in this story from the yeah, storytellers. So I'm guessing like maybe somewhere in the Cayman Islands, perhaps, but I'm not sure. I'm assuming somewhere where they're going to blame it on curses and yeah, voodoo and witchcraft. Obviously. Which is perfect because I'm actually going to mention Haiti in my story. So oh, let's, let's hey. roll with this. Nice. Let's go with that one then. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1905, the caretaker was caught by Mrs. Otto performing what they believed to be black magic. Mm. She's probably just cooking, let's be honest. <laughs> She's just like, I'm adding these spice are, these to are your bland people. food. Yeah, who don't know This food tastes cursed. Yeah. It's called pepper, motherfucker. Deal with it. Um, yeah, so immediately the servant was fired, but right before she left, she gave Jean a stuffed doll that resembled a little boy, which many claimed it was cursed. Mm-hmm. Then there's a third theory from which I understand comes from stories told by mediums that have gone and visited the doll. So this is like information that they received from the doll directly. It seems that Jean's father had an affair with one of the servants and ended up getting pregnant. The servants eventually gave birth to the little girl, but unfortunately the child died when she was around five years old. Mm. Devastated, the servants uh, performed dark magic and... For some reason, like, they allowed the spirit to live inside this doll, which was eventually given to Jean. It's also said that since the girl was never allowed to rest in peace, over time the spirit has become more aggressive. Which explains why, like, bad things ended up happening. So wait, the servants performed this to save the 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 girl by putting her into a doll, right? Yeah, so it was kind of like, I don't know, I don't know what well, so, magic well, it would have been. My question is, so like, I get that the servants did it. But you said devastated. Were the servants devastated, or were they doing it on the behest well, of Well, especially their... the caretaker, because she was the one, or rather, the father of the family was having an affair with one of the caretakers. Oh, okay, okay, so she and... was much more invested in the issue. Right, I okay. and I don't think he cared, or probably. I don't know. But yeah, so she lost a I child. Mean, he already is morally ambiguous at this <laughs> Exactly, point, so. I mean, he already seems like he's kind of an asshole, so uh, if that's the story. Okay, okay. Let me give you a brief description of the doll. 
The doll has human-like features. It has black, round, beady eyes. It's about the size of a small toddler. And if I remember correctly, the doll is about 40 inches tall, which is just over three feet. Uh, the doll is wearing a sailor's uniform that was believed to once belong to Gene when mm-hmm. he was younger. The doll's also carrying a little plush dog. If that's not creepy... Um, the beady eyes are the, the creepy The beady part. eyes are really creepy. And you kind of look at the doll, too. It, it looks beat up. It's got, like, holes on its face. It's really creepy. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's poor doll. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It's like, oh, I was well loved. Everyone looks just like, man, it's look so at it. ugly. It's a dirty hobo doll. <laughs> Cast it away. Um. So the hair on top of the doll's head is allegedly made out of Gene's hair. I don't know. Wait, 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 wait. They gave it to Gene and then made it out of the, his then, hair, or was it or out of the dead girl's hair? It could have been. No, no, no. So the idea is, especially two of the theories, it's that it came from one of the caretakers that was responsible for Gene, and so when they made the doll. They put, like, I don't know if they cut Jean's hair or they used it. Basically, what I'm saying is it might be like a voodoo doll. Gotcha. Yeah. I was like, either they're, like, totally into saving, super hippie, or it's creepy. Yeah. Super creepy. <laughs> Waste no hair. I don't know. If I saw my maid, I never had a maid, by the way. I just need to preface that. Let's just pretend I, I, you know, grew up rich and I didn't, but, and I had a maid, and I saw my maid collecting my hair, I'd be really creeped out. I would be a little freaked out, but also I don't want to piss off that maid or anything, so I'd be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I would just collect my own hair. Uh, so, upon receiving the doll... Gene decided to name him Robert, which is after his first name. The two became inseparable. Gene would t- uh, talk to the to the doll and insist that Robert stay by his side at all time. Even when they were having dinner at the table, and I don't mean like they would just be in the same room, Robert or Gene would request that Robert sit at the table and also be served food. Mm. Yeah, basically, uh, Gene asked also to treat Robert exactly the same way he was treated. So now, if- I, I can already say, if you didn't know they had maids, you can tell they come from money because I don't know any of my friends as family members who'd be like, we're not like who would waste be like, yes, food. let's waste food by putting. They'd be like, no, you're gonna stop this crap right and now because that costs money. Waste time. I mean, parents have to work, and they're like, I'm not gonna tuck in two kids. I'm not going to dress two kids. I'm not gonna bathe two kids you know especially when one isn't a fucking child yeah, like it's a doll kid problems. exactly <laughs> exactly and especially since obviously this child has caretakers are like all right well the caretaker can take care of the doll they don't i mean what do they care here's a creepy fact it's believed that before robert entered their lives gene went by his first name robert but after receiving the doll gene insisted on going by his middle name he said the reason is because Robert wanted the name, and Gene could no longer have it. That's super creepy. Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, there could only be one. And so, <laughs> I think... So, hey, I like your name. Yeah. That's my name. You go by a different name. Right. <laughs> no, we can't both have it. Absolutely not. Yeah, so, as time went on, Gene's mother began to notice that Gene would speak to the doll. He would have a normal voice, Gene, but then when it was Robert's time to answer... It would always come at a lower tone and Mm. sometimes even more aggressive. So it was like there was bickering when that wouldn't necessarily be. I don't know. Like, is that normal? Do you ever did you ever fight with your dolls? Because I don't think I ever did. I always won. I (laughs) the conversations. So like, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of strong memories from like like strong memories from a childhood. They a lot of them are very vague. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of toys. 
but I don't ever remember communicating with them like like they were with me, like they were a friend. Right. Like my Spider-Man toy was Spider-Man. My Batman toy was, and he wasn't like hanging out with me. He was in Spider-Man universe fighting Spider-Man Exactly. Villains. It was mostly like, I'm going to dictate how this conversation is going. But yeah, so it would respond always in a lower tone. And the mom, of course, at the beginning assumed that she was just, that the kid was just having a conversation, you know, playing. However, as time went on, she noticed a few strange things about the situation. She would only hear the voices when she was in another room or right outside Jean's room. Whenever the mom would go into the room, like she would burst in Mm -hmm. and the talking would immediately stop. Another thing that the mother noticed was that as she heard the deeper voice more and more, she realized that the tone was too deep to come from a boy. So after like hearing it enough. At least in enough, her opinion. In her opinion, exactly. The strange behavior went on for years, and it seems like Jean was now completely attached to the doll. There are more than a few strange events that occurred in Jean's childhood, and here are some of them. One night when Jean was 10 years old, his mom woke up to the screams in the middle of the night. When she got to the door, it was locked. She could hear Jean inside screaming and furniture being thrown across the room. What? Yeah. Finally, she got the door open, and when she looked inside, the room was a mess, but nothing was moving anymore. It was completely silent. She looked at Jean and saw that that he was cowering on his bed, staring at Robert, who was also sitting at the edge of the bed, staring back at him. When the mom approached Jean, she noticed that her son was shaking violently and unable to tear his gaze away from the doll. You know it's bad when you get into an abusive relationship and you're not even at puberty yet. Yeah, and it's not even another human. <laughs> That's the worst thing <laughs> so ever. Shit. Unlucky. Yeah, uh, that was not the only thing that happened. In fact, it was common for the mom to find Gene cowering on the floor on his bed staring at the doll. Over time, Gene began to act very differently, which... I think would be expected. Everyone should act differently after that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little traumatized. He became more difficult and distant. He only did what, as he would put it, Robert wanted him to do. As time went on, the doll began to not only affect Jean, but also the rest of the family as well. Like other strange things would begin to happen. Items would fall from the shelf when no one would be around. Silverware and dishes would be thrown on the ground. Tapestries and other cloth items would be found shredded. It's unfortunate that it was always when no one was around, because then there's always that sense of deniability. Right, exactly. That the kid was just lashing out, emotional distress, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's exactly what the mom would think at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Jean's other toys would also be broken or destroyed. It was never clear how the toys would break, especially by a little boy like Jean. But the parents, like I said, always assumed it was him. And whenever Jean would be blamed for something, he'd always respond or his response would always be, Robert didn't. Neighbors would claim to see the doll move from one window to the next, peeking through the curtains. Oh. So now we have, like, outside who had nothing okay. to do with this family. That's messed up. Yeah. Servants would also sometimes hear or see from the corner of their eye a small figure running into another room or upstairs. Whenever they'd go investigate, they would find Robert sitting and staring at them as though they were anticipating their presence. So I know you described the doll earlier, you know, beady eyes and looking like a hobo. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> I don't think I use those exact words, but yeah. I put those words in your mouth. Um, I can't help but when you said peeking out the window and running around, I am picturing that like super iconic cliche ventriloquist dummy. That's all I can oh, picture. Oh, okay. Actually, I have a picture here. I think it's still on my computer. Let me show it. 
to Show you. That to me. I think everyone should Google it if it's safe and able. At this moment, there it is. Huh. Not exactly what you probably would have anticipated, but yeah, so it, it kind of looks almost makeshift made. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't it, look great. It's plush, but I mean, it's also very old, so I don't know if that's also a factor. It's very weird. It's kind of like it lacks any of the style that yeah. I've seen in modern dolls, so it, it stands out. I mean, it does. It's a very unique looking doll. Yeah, it doesn't look like anything else. No. So let's see. What else did this doll do? Oh. So like I said, the servants would also experience these things and they were affected negatively by the parents because if something happened that it would be pretty improbable for a child to accomplish, the servants would be blamed. So I have a question about the doll. Now that I've seen it, Mm -hmm. have you seen what their house looked like? Um, I think I saw a picture of a mansion. Yeah, is it kind of like a Victorian or Edwardian one that kind of has like a round spire or something like that? Like, in it? yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, so this is in Florida. So, so you know how like some of their houses. Was this story covered on BuzzFeed Unsolved? I don't remember. Because I feel like when I saw the doll, there was a familiarity there. And I'm wondering if I've seen this before. Maybe because, well, I don't know. Because when I Googled it, usually that comes up, especially since I've seen a lot of their episodes and on YouTube, it didn't pop up, so I guess I just assumed it wasn't covered. I don't know. I don't know why it just feels a little familiar, but like in a creepy way. That's good. All I right. don't know. I watch a lot of shows, too. Maybe, so. maybe I just <laughs> wandered in eating a hot right. dog while you're watching. I'm like, Robert oh, yeah, that's doll. creepy. <laughs> Look at that ugly doll. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to traumatize you with this in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, just waiting. So, yes. Oh, another thing that Robert would do is mess with the servants because oftentimes when they would go and just kind of tidy up rooms, especially ones where there were no one, no one had slept in in a long time, like the guest bedrooms, they would walk in and see that it was completely disheveled. Like the bed was unmade. Things were like crooked paintings, you know, whatnot, basically making more work for them. This actually caused the autos to have a lot of rotating staff, and it wasn't just because the parents were notoriously kind of mean to them, but also because they were very terrified of the doll. Absolutely. I mean, if you're getting paid next to nothing and you could get this work with somebody else, like, why would you stick around? Yeah, I guess it just, like, depends on how desperate they were, but yeah, like, if, let's just pretend that the situation would have been shitty in any house, it might as well not have a demon doll. Just no, personal. No, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you put that on your application. It's like I'm willing to like do dishes, bathe children, laundry, fix clothes. No possessed dolls. <laughs> exactly. It's like if two houses were identical situations, <laughs> but one had a shitty doll. I'd be like, no. Oh I'm man, the, the owners are like, ah, oh, well, not this one then. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. So frustrated, the parents decided that enough was enough, and they actually took Robert away. They ended up storing him in a box and placed him upstairs in the attic. Not long after the doll was put away, Gene began to return to normal. Oh. Yeah. He no longer would act up, and eventually he kind of forgot about the doll. You know, he just... As kids do. ...got older, right? Gene would grow up to be a normal kid, eventually go to college, and I think he, like, studied in New York and Paris. Oh, wow. So this is already different than I thought. I figured it was going to go, like, two months, and then the doll just started showing up again or something. Oh, so we're talking years now. So this is, like, a year process thing, and and it it continues. It has to be longer than a year, because he can't go from a kid with a doll to college in a year. Oh, no, no. So, like, I I think he got it when he was four years old, and then a lot of the things that have been occurring wasn't within a six year span. Okay. Okay. And some would escalate, you know, like I said, whenever 
one of the last incidents, I believe, was when Gene was like cowering in his bed when the door was locked mm-hmm. and all the stuff was flying around. And yeah. how old do you think he was then? Uh, he was around 10, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, he went to go study in New York and Paris and would eventually become an author and a successful painter. Oh, it wouldn't be so funny if he painted Robert the doll. Ew, like in every single painting he's kind of he hidden somewhere. He Robert the doll. That would be so messed up. Now I gotta look at his paintings. That's a movie script right there. Yeah. Um, right now, it would seem like the story would have a happy ending, but as for those of you who can't see, I'm still holding like three pieces of paper, so <laughs> it it's definitely not over yet. In 1930, Jean married Annette Parker, and the two decided to move back to his parents' house shortly after they died. After settling into their parents' house, he decided that the attic would be the perfect place to set up his art studio. In the process of cleaning out the space, he oh. found the old box that his parents put Robert in many, Bobby. many years ago. Exactly. As soon as he took the doll out of the box, according to his wife, Gene became obsessed with the doll again. And just like when he was a child, all the strange behaviors that he exhibited in the past returned. Robert, again, would be eating at the dinner table with them and even sleep in the same bed. Oh, that's fucked I'm up. like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, not shockingly, Annette never took to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> she was pretty vocal about how upset she was that Jean changed his behavior and became obsessed with the doll. <laughs> Can you just imagine? I mean, the husband's like, saying to his wife, he's like, hey, uh, honey, I got a crazy idea. What's that? <laughs> I was wondering if maybe we could bring someone into bed tonight who robert my doll (laughs) my doll (laughs) that is so gross i don't know i don't even know what you would do i'm pretty sure like when she said i do she was not anticipating a doll to be like me too despite annette's distaste for gene and robert's relationship it was something that she had to deal with until gene died Mm. which uh yeah i'll get into later But in the meantime, I'll tell you all the strange things that happened while they lived in the house. Okay. When Robert was left alone in a room, it was common to find him in different positions or in another room altogether. This was something that Annette would notice even when Jean was not home. So, like, Jean would carry the doll awkwardly throughout the house, but when he was gone, it would still move around. Jean liked having Robert in the attic with him, so he actually created a little special seating area for him. Neighbors were somewhat aware of the strange things that had been happening in the house and also noted that Jean's changed behavior. At one point, it was... So it wasn't just a suspicious wife at this point. It wasn't, yeah. This like, was obvious. He, he had an obvious change. If your neighbors can tell you're acting differently, yeah. that has to be a drastic change because they only see you sparingly. Exactly. That's exactly what was happening. At one point, it actually did get so bad that people became so uncomfortable with seeing Robert that some people refused to walk by the house. This, of course, was fueled after people had gone to visit the couple, and while they were there, they had their own haunted experience. Some claimed to have heard footsteps pacing in the attic when no one should have been there. Like, it would be, they'd be invited for dinner. Totally. And then it's like, who's up there? You don't even have kids. And other guests said that they would hear devilish giggling coming from the hallways. Children that would walk by on their way to school would complain that the doll would watch them from upstairs, like one of the upstairs bedroom, Mm -hmm. and mock them. At first, Gene assured them that this was not possible because he always kept him in the attic. But 
One day when he heard outside all these kids making a fuss, Jean went into the bedroom and was shocked to see that Robert was in fact sitting in one of the chairs Mm. looking out the window. Jean would go and lock Robert back in the attic, but again, like the next day or a week later, the children would also notice that Robert was back. So something was going on. Not cool. Despite all the strange occurrences, Jean and Annette remained married until Jean died in 1974. I guess Annette... That's one tolerant wife. That is a very tolerant wife. I mean, I guess he had enough money. I guess she took in sickness and in health as also in mental sickness. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's all part of it. Annette died, I think, like two years after that. And when the house was sold, Robert the doll remained with it and still lived in the attic. How, how does that happen? I don't know. Who Maybe buys it, a house and is just like, yes, let's leave so all the old people's shit here? My my guess is that there were just some pieces left and Robert just stayed up there and no one like either wanted to move him or even bothered to. They were just like, whatever. Or the curse was so strong, people are like, I can't. Like, for some reason. Like, I... They, right. like, put it into the back of their mind. They're like, I'm just going to leave this box. And they don't know why. And logically, it doesn't make any sense. But in their in their mind, it was like, oh, okay, yeah. And they didn't even think too hard about it. Right. Like, he's still manipulating the situation mm-hmm. and people. The house was purchased by Myrtle Reuter, who would go on to own the property for 20 years. And let me tell you some of the things that she experienced. Myrtle had a 10-year-old daughter who was the first person, I believe, to discover Robert in the attic. She fell in love with the doll immediately, but it wasn't long after until she started to claim that Robert wanted to hurt her. Mm. So it doesn't seem like Robert took to her. Okay. She would often wake up in the house screaming in the middle of the night, claiming that Robert had moved around in her room. Robert's behavior would escalate, and the little girl began to say that the doll was trying to kill her. So that's like a huge difference of being like, he moved. Oh, now he's trying to kill me. (laughs) One night, the parents were awoken again by their daughter's scream. And when they entered the room, it was dark, but they could hear giggling and the sounds of someone running across the room. When they turned on the lights, they saw in the corner of their daughter's bed, Robert sitting there and in his hand was a knife. What? Yeah. Luckily, this family had a little more sense than the autos and ended up donating the doll to East Mortello Museum in 1994. It seemed that the doll had already built up quite the reputation, which continued to grow to this day. Again, no one really knows how or where Robert got his haunting abilities, but one thing is for sure. He is still very much active, and here are some of the stories that I was able to gather at while he's been living in the museum. So, like, people who came by to visit it or see it? Or and see this, it okay. or, like, staff or anything like that. Yeah, so now he's in a different location and he's still crazy. Okay, so first off, when you go to the museum, you'll see that Robert is actually in an enclosed glass case, which you saw in the picture. Mm-hmm. That's how he is uh, seen, which is very similar to the Annabelle doll. And it's for, like, the protection of everyone around. However, unlike Annabelle, this doll doesn't seem to be contained and has often been seen sitting in other rooms of the building. Like oh, it's still mo- mobile? Still mobile, yeah. When employees walk into a room that Robert is in, but isn't supposed to be in, like they'll discover him there, the doors will lock behind them. So, <laughs> <laughs> What do they have to do? Do they have to get Robert and put him back? No, so that's the idea. Like They want to put him back in the case, but usually since the, since the door is locked behind them, they usually have to wait until someone comes by and unlocks the door. Oh, stuck in a room with Robert? That sounds yeah. awful. So apparently, like, because of these reasons, whenever they go make the rounds or they're closing or anything like that, they have to do it in pairs. 
because otherwise it's going to be like you're targeted if you're alone. That's messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, People who have gone to visit the doll claim that they've seen him move. Some even said that Robert's facial expressions will change into a scowl, which is very weird because when you look at the doll, it's like, how? (laughs) But okay. One unlucky museum employee had had the task to clean him. But when they returned the next day, they saw that the bottom of Robert's shoes were covered in dirt like he'd been walking around. Some of the visitors also said that when they had their backs turned, they'd hear the glass tap. And when they turned back, his arm would be pressed against the glass. So not cool. (laughs) It's just so like predatory almost. Just hello. Like, you know, you don't even know how powerful I am. If any of you are actually going to take the tour... There is one rule you need to remember when taking a picture. You must first ask for permission. If his head tilts... From the doll. From the doll. So you have to ask, Robert, can I take your picture? And if his head tilts to one side, then permission has been granted. But if he's still, then you can't take his picture. Otherwise, you'll be cursed. He will also curse the people that were with you when you took the picture. And that's some blanket grudging right there. Yeah, that's another tip to consider because... You got to make sure now that the people that you're with will respect the rules. Otherwise, you're effed. Oh, man. Half the people I know would be like, that's bullshit. And take a picture. And I'd be <laughs> exactly. like, I'm not going with you. But like, I don't know him. So I don't know. <laughs> just go to distance. <laughs> just be like. I'm ending this friendship now. Uh, yeah. So employees and tour guides warn guests again and again to not take pictures unless you've asked for permission. And they really take this seriously. People who choose to ignore these rules and take a picture anyway, would then experience great misfortune. People have been in car accidents shortly after, lost jobs, got divorced, and even broken a limb. They would be so regretful that people actually would write letters addressed to Robert asking for forgiveness. A lot of the times they would come with candy as an offering, hoping it would help. I'm not really sure when it was established that Robert likes candy, but I guess it couldn't hurt. Yeah, right. Uh, and the museum claims that they get about one to two letters a day. What? Yeah. That many people are taking pictures. That many people, yeah, people just like, when people go see this doll, they don't even care. They think it's just like part of, because it's like a bigger museum. I think it has like other stuff in there too. So, you know, you, they're taking pictures of that. Is it other supernatural stuff or is it like the only cursed thing in the whole uh, museum? I don't know. I didn't look at what okay. their inventory was, but maybe, <laughs> maybe like... The taking picture rule only applied to Robert, yeah. So also the museum uh, has a room, and I think it might be the same room that Robert's in, and they just display all the letters that they receive. So you actually can go read a lot of them. Uh Yeah, it's pretty cool. Sometimes the cameras that guests will bring will malfunction. So even when you think you got a picture, and then later you look at the photo... It's not. It'll be like corrupted or black or just gone. Robert hates cameras so much that even the security cameras that are facing the doll will often shut off or malfunction themselves. Damn. Yeah. So you can go visit the museum or you can take a, a ghost tour where the museum is one of the stops. And I read in one of the articles that tour guides will ask guests to greet Robert when entering and saying goodbye when they leave. Since tour guides anticipate that people will take pictures anyway, they ask that at the very least follow up with saying thank you or I mean you no harm kind of thing. Mm. And this is basically just for their safety. It also depends on the tour that you go with. Some might actually be more lenient with the rules. So you've been warned. 
So, you know, like when you go to the museum, people, employees there will tell you, but the tour guides might be like, oh, I guess you can. You just got to say thank you. And that's kind of messed up. (laughs) I think I've learned my lesson, though. I will never take a picture of anything that's supposed to be possessed, ever. Right. Because this is not an uncommon thing. Yeah, I just think it's just a safety, you know? Just don't do it. I mean, I know you might want a picture, but everything that's cursed, there is a photo online. Just look at that. It really is. And a lot of people say it's the taking picture thing. I I didn't really hear people getting affected when they look at the doll. They might get scared. But the curse really only applies to those that captured an image without... Permission. permission. Yeah. This was also, from my read certain articles, put this in there. I don't know how true it is because I don't, I, I don't know. But I guess it also inspired the 1988 movie Child's Play. So Chucky is based on Robert the Doll, which kind of makes sense because it's I like this. I absolutely believe it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very similar. A little the knife alone. The knife. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. The knife befriending. Parents can never see it moving. The yeah. kid has fights with it. And yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's my story. The origin of the Chucky movie is what your story was. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's basically this whole point of the story. I hate haunted dolls. I know. I'm not scared of dolls, but I hate haunted dolls. I was pretty excited about this one because of that reason. I know a lot of people like the haunted doll stories, and I haven't done one in a while. So there you go. Well, I think I need another mango drink to just (laughs) to choke down. Right. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and I got a story for you. Yay. Okay, so we're back. Chase has his mango sparkly thing, and we're ready. Or I'm ready for the story. (laughs) All right, so I got something for you. It's got a little bit of the, at some point I mentioned Haiti. We'll get to it. Oh, that's right. There isn't a single person listening to this podcast that doesn't know what a monster is or has dealt with some sort of monster fear at some point in their lives. It may have been the boogeyman or the monster in your closet. Even if you were more well-adjusted than me, you have at least heard of vampires, werewolves, and zombies. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact is that humanity is obsessed with monsters, and many of the ones you hear about have versions that go back centuries, if not thousands of years. Although I will be the first to admit that I'm not sure how I feel about the idea of ghosts, and for the most part, I don't really consider ghosts to be monsters or cryptids, mostly because ghosts are their own category, one that people are still very much trying to prove whether or not they exist. But vampires and zombies and werewolves are a different story. Or are they? Most people these (laughs) days are pretty confident in saying that those things don't exist. And insofar as the Hollywood interpretations are concerned, I'm in complete agreement. However, the problem is that human history is full of stories of different monsters and supernatural type threats. It's easy just to brush them off as figments of an uneducated mind. But the more often they reoccur and the more similarities each story has, it begs the question, where do the stories about these monsters really come from? Is there a chance that modern day monsters are the result of stories that changed and evolved over the years, but were based on very real events? Mm. As I dig into the past to research information for this podcast, I find myself running into more and more interesting information about possible origins of either cryptids or regional variations of cryptids or just individual stories about cryptids. Right. Oh, and just a word of caution, there is a moment in my next story that is a bit gruesome, so you might not want to listen to it while you're eating, and if you're squeamish, you may not want to listen to it. (laughs) Well, uh, duly noted. (laughs) Can I drink? You can drink. Okay. I think. 
Okay, we'll see what I it do. It depends how weak your stomach is. I I, I can be eating spaghetti while watching a horror movie and I'm fine. It depends on the horror movie. I'm pretty squeamish. Like, if it was... I don't know. If it was a movie with, like, bugs, I might, like, not no be able to eat. Okay, then I think we're good. No bugs. Last week, if you guys listened to it, I talked about how werewolves had a strong connection with Christmas, especially in the Eastern European regions. That research led me to find out how belief in werewolves were rather common even in the 19th century, back when everyone was still wearing 1800s clothes, which is an (laughs) in-joke for anyone who's been listening to us for a long time. 1800s look. (laughs) Those 1800s clothes. In 1855, a newspaper called the Brooklyn Daily Eagle ran a rather disturbing story that allegedly originated in the more rural regions of France. Mm. Peyron, a 25-year-old farmer, had fallen desperately in love with a girl and wanted to marry her. The girl's parents, however, were less enthusiastic about this match. They were uncomfortable with the man's behavior, quote, on account of the strangeness of conduct sometimes observed in the young man, end quote. To me, that sounds like an old-timey talk for saying he may have been a jerk or overly aggressive. Yeah. But I don't know about you. I'm actually relieved to hear about parents being concerned for their daughter in a story this old. It's not often you hear about it in this kind of context. But that said, their concern did have its limits. Apparently, Perrin was from a wealthy and influential family of farmers. Oh, no. The match between him and their daughter was viewed in the public as quite perfect. On top of this, Perrin's behavior seemed to continue to diminish. The article claimed that, quote, his passion for the girl became at length so violent that he declared he could not exist without her, end quote. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my God, this guy. Right? <laughs> to me, I'm like, this is a serious red flag. He's basically throwing tantrums, and I'm over it. Yeah, anyone who claims that they can't live unless they can have you, I mean, this is an opinion, but I think you should walk away from that one. Yeah. <laughs> because that kind of extreme emotional distress, that's not just going to be with their love for you. It's going to be everything in their life. It's going to be have to do with his breakfast. It's going to have to do with his job. Like, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your emotions in all parts of your life, not just the way you love. This is. I know we all like to giggle about the whole Romeo and Juliet story, which is a beautiful one, but usually the guy's like, if I can't have her, there's no reason to live. It's like, dude, you need to get like, control of your I life. I need to... A- you need to, like, step back a second. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a problem. So he's already throwing a bunch of tantrums, and he's like, oh, I need her, I need her, I need her. So what does someone who's trying to prove that he's the right man for the daughter do? That's right. He asks his mom to go beg the parents one more time. Please let Ew. me go. Right? It's awful. <laughs> Such a lame, lame so, person. the guy's mom went and begged the parents, please, please, please let your daughter marry my son. And this time, the girl's parents said yes. Oh, you know, it was like, we'll give you more money or something. I'm not sure why they decided specifically, because it didn't mention the article, why the girl's parents abandoned all their concerns. They're like, oh, I'm no longer worried about her marrying a possibly (laughs) imbalanced man. Perhaps they were sick of being pestered. Maybe it's like, oh, my God, the hundredth time, (laughs) if they'll leave me alone. Or... They really wanted the money, like you said. The, the mom it... went there is like, we will give you some like ridiculous reverse dowry if you can, yeah. you know, just hook this up. It's kind of like the the housing market right now. They're like, we know what we have. We're going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. We got a special daughter, so you yeah. got to pay more for it. Apparently so. The wedding was held very shortly afterwards, possibly in even the next day or two, based on how the article worded it. The boy was impatient and desperate, apparently. Immediately after the festivities, he took his bride into bed. Considering the time this all took place, they were still staying at the groom's parents' house. 
Anyhow, Perrin couldn't wait. Not long after taking her into the bedroom, people began to hear horrible, blood-curdling screams coming from the bedroom. From who? From the woman. The girl was screaming. (laughs) Perrin's parents were so concerned, they rushed to the room just to see what was happening. When they opened the door, they were horrified. According to the article, quote, The poor girl, in the agonies of death, her bosom torn open and lacerated in the most horrible manner, and the wretched husband, in a fit of ravaging madness or raving madness, and covered with blood, having actually devoured a portion of the unfortunate girl's breast. What the End quote. Fuck. Oh my. I don't even know. Yeah, I was that not- was the gross part I was telling you about. He was eating her. So, okay, so he's insane. He's he's insane got it it's 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 getting a little more complicated this there's 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 a reason i'm going with this it's not just like (laughs) hey i want to horrify well actually i do want to horrify so that would be a good place for any story to stop but it's more complicated all right let's hear it as one can imagine the injuries were so intense that the bride died soon after the groom whose fits of rage were so intense that people had trouble containing his violent outbursts and restraining him he eventually fell unconscious and died soon after Whoa. Yeah, this is when it gets crazy. What the hell? The article went on to suggest that a physician tending to the case believed it was because the groom had been bitten by a strange dog five years prior, and this may have led to his violent outbursts. It was considered, quote, a sad and distressing case of hydrophobia, end quote. And just for clarification, hydrophobia is a common term for rabies back in the day. Yeah, rabies. So that's kind of where I'm going with this, because this is pretty intense. Now... I read this story in a book called Mad Dogs and Other New Yorkers, Rabies, Medicine, and Society in an American Metropolis, 1840 to 1920. Super long title. Mm -hmm. So I didn't mention the title earlier because I didn't want to give away the ending. The book postulates several theories about this article. The first was that even though the article never mentioned werewolves directly, it did, quote, contain the essence of a werewolf story. The toxic bite of a canine turned a man into a monster who tore his victims into pieces. His sexual instincts perverted into the most depraved carnal violence, end quote. The other important theory about this story that the book suggests is that versions of the Killer Groom story seem to predate this specific one, going back earlier in the century, suggesting that the newspaper was not in fact printing a news story, but somehow folklore that maybe they thought was a news story. Now, uh, okay. I yeah, no, so no, exactly. they got, like, they just didn't have the right sources and they just were like, oh, this must be... Or maybe they didn't care about their sources. Oh, yeah, that's fair. It's so hard to judge. Yeah. I mean, at this point... Journalism is different then than it was now. The things that things they cared I mean, about, just, their methods, changes. everything was yeah. so different. So it's really hard to say. He has no proof of that. It's just something that is theorized mm-hmm. by this book. And I think both these ideas are incredibly interesting because it really does show an example of how stories of werewolves may have originated, at least some of them. And more importantly, I think it demonstrates that very real things, such as rabies, may be the source for this fear. Now, we've all heard of rabies, and many of you have probably even seen Old Yeller, but I can say, as an American, our exposure to rabies is very limited these days. Most common vector for the disease is dogs, with over 99% of all rabies cases coming from dogs worldwide. In the U.S., we require dogs to be vaccinated against rabies. America has been considered rabies-free for quite some time, and I say free with air quotes just you know because, because like rabies. bats can still have them raccoons rabies, or whatever yeah so but like they're they're not an infected the same way that dogs as dogs go rabid whereas like i think 
bats, they can just have it and they don't side effects or yeah, whatever. So some animals will have it and they can live with it and it's not a problem. Yeah. But you're right. Dogs, when they get it, they go rabid, but a lot of other things do too. Foxes. Oh, yeah. Skunks, raccoons, they will get it and get sick with it. Yeah. That's why they tell people if you see an animal acting strangely or coming towards you that wouldn't normally, I mean, like, most of these animals try to stay away from people. Foxes are shy. They try to stay away from people. So usually when a fox gets near you, you have to pay attention because they notice that usually when foxes get near people, it's because they're rabid. That is so scary. Now, bats, however, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong about this, they can have rabies and they can survive just I, fine. I thought they could. I mean, I could be wrong, but and I think, it's just something in my memory is telling me this is true. And I think I also read that like opossums can consume things with rabies and they will not contract it. What it means is it's so uncommon since we vaccinate our dogs. Not many Americans get rabies every year. And usually when they do, it's not from a dog. It'll be from bats. Bats mm-hmm. is a common. We had a guy just die from a bats infesting his house and he got bitten. He got rabies and he died. But it's super rare. I think the last person to die from a dog rabies infection was in the 70s here. And it was a little girl. Mm. But what I mean is since we don't have rabies much this year, it's so uncommon for us to think about it in our day-to-day lives. Yeah. But in other countries like India, it is still an everyday problem. According to Google and the CDC, over 60,000 people die of rabies every year. What still. the? Are you serious? Yeah, that blew my mind. 60,000. I wonder. That's if, over 150 people a day. Yeah, I wonder if they just have like a, a bad like dog problem or they're, you know, strays and whatnot. That's exactly what it is. Okay. They do not vaccinate their dogs against rabies and they have. Well, they can't vaccinate dogs that they don't own. I mean, I, mean, they I guess have, they could, yeah. but that'd be weird. And there's stray dogs just in massive populations all over a lot of countries. Exactly. I mean, I know there are in Mexico, too. Sometimes, like, when I go visit, there'll be more than a few dogs just wandering about. Although they look fine, but, you know, I guess it's just more likely. Well, and that's where rabies comes from, because yeah. these dogs will attack all those animals that have rabies. But they're used to being around people, so they'll be wandering through the areas of people. And people walk up, try to take care of them. They'll think, oh, right. he's just sick. Oh, he's angry. But no, he's rabid. Yeah, exactly. The disease has close to 100% mortality rate, as you can get. Essentially, everyone who gets it dies. There's only like one proven story of someone who survived it without getting the treatment ahead of time. So with rabies, oh, you mean you so you have to get the treatment, otherwise you die. Yeah, and so the biggest problem is rabies. You have to get the treatment before you have symptoms. If you have your first symptom, you will die. It's essentially a hundred percent. And there has been only one person that we have proof, documented evidence that did not get treatment showed symptoms and survived she was a wisconsin girl this was like i want to say 15 years ago and the doctor had to do something very bizarre including inducing a deep coma so she wouldn't die from it and letting her body fight it off over a long time and she had to Whoa. learn how to walk again and everything when she came to so it, it wasn't like her. a, a seamless recovery no, it was or awful and she's the only one and most people and they've tried this test they tried that treatment with multiple people since and it never worked Holy so then we're yeah. talking an aberration Rabies is considered the most deadly virus because you will die from it. Right. So if that's not horrifying, then I don't know what is. And the scariest part is it takes a while for you to see symptoms. Sometimes people will experience symptoms within a couple days. That's if the bite occurs on their head. But some other people, they have evidence to suggest some people might go up to a year without developing symptoms of rabies and not knowing. But usually it's within a couple weeks. Now, it's a, it attacks, the virus attacks your neurological system. You can't detect it in blood or anything like that. And it just goes through and it starts attacking all your nerves. 
Your brain stops functioning correctly as the virus takes over your nervous system and you get confused and often aggressive. You begin to lose control of your body functions, sometimes convulsing and acting out violently, and you often foam at the mouth, overcome with thirst, but your throat closes near water so you can't drink, hence why it's called hydrophobia. Yeah. People be thirsty, they want water, but once water gets close to them, their throat uncontrollably contracts and they start choking and they can't do anything about it. This I, is so terrifying. Like this isn't even a supernatural thing. And I'm just like sitting here horrified. Well, and that's why, well, yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrifying. And I watch videos and when you see the foaming and everything is uh, no, of, and I'm, I've seen video of humans. I don't want to see this. I don't want, I don't think anyone should see it, but anyway, there's a whole point to this. I'm not just doing this to give a whole medical thing. <laughs> Like, where are we going with this? The mode of transmission of rabies is through saliva in the salivary glands. It's part of the reason they're foaming at the mouth and Mm -hmm. everything. There's also thought that the reason you get hydrophobic is it would allow you to clean out your salivary glands and not pass on the virus. So, Oh, weird. Or at least it was something how the disease evolved to being so effective. So it goes through saliva, meaning they have to bite you. Mm -hmm. So it is transmitted through bites. How many diseases are through bites? And everything about disease... So is it like blood? Or like if you make out with, I mean, I don't know why you would make out with someone foaming up the mouth, but like, let's say they were convulsing and you wanted to give CPR and then you didn't know they had rabies. Do you get, do you get it that way? I wonder. I wonder if it means you have to have like a cut in your mouth or something. I'm not sure. I, I didn't know. go that. In I don't know. I just thought I'd ask because now I'm like super scared. But, but it's, <laughs> but it's what, what they do talk about is they say that. If you shoot an animal with rabies, it can survive in their blood matter for up to two years. Okay. And so usually they say if you kill an animal with rabies, you bring in experts so they can cremate the body and purge oh, the virus wow. and everything. Gosh, that's even, wow. It's super complicated. But I mean, seriously, people, how many diseases do you get from biting people? Someone has the flu and they bite you, you're probably not going to get the flu. Right. It's just not going to work that way. <laughs> that's the least of my problems, but yeah. So the idea of a disease that's transmitted through a bite, but the disease itself makes people want to bite you. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's super creepy. Yeah, that's so crazy. And although that was by no means a clinical or overly detailed view of rabies, and if you're super interested, you can totally look it up online, I think it helps paint a picture of someone descending into madness after being bitten by ominous or creepy dogs. The bite is the transmission, and people seem to lose their humanity. And I don't think it's unreasonable to think that rabies may have played a massive role in the creation of werewolf mythos throughout human history because of this. Or definitely was like an adding, a contributing thing like the stories of werewolves are so and they're old. about bites yeah and they're about bites so you don't know i mean rabies could have existed for so long and this could have been like perhaps not the origin story specifically but it definitely added to the story well yeah and the idea is a werewolf bites you and then you become the werewolf mm-hmm. and you lose your humanity about it and so obviously you're not turning into a wolf here but you begin acting like this creepy wolf too so they think you're actually transforming I, into it i wonder if Symptoms are more common after another full moon. Like, it would be the rotation, like how quickly sometimes it could take. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But now I'm do, going into, like... They if you're bit in the head, uh, the virus can travel in your nervous system closer to your brain quicker. So right. yeah, there's a lot of things. So I guess can, it depends. Yeah. Absolutely. The book also talks about another rabies stories, which helps solidify this notion. In 1895, a five-year-old boy was bitten by a dog somewhere in Brooklyn. This wasn't a wild dog either. It was someone's dog, and as far as I can tell, seemed like a normal dog. But the woman was convinced the child, her child, was developing symptoms of rabies or hydrophobia. Mm. 
The woman pleaded on multiple occasions to the local magistrate to have the dog euthanized because she believed that, quote, my child will not recover until the dog is dead, end quote. Oh, okay. As bizarre as this seems, apparently requests like this were not uncommon at the time. In regards to this request, a writer for the Tribune suggested, quote, there is an idea that if a dog is killed, the patient will be much safer because of the prevailing superstition that if the dog after years should be taken with rabies, that disease will revert to him who was once bitten by the dog, end quote. So once again, you have another thing that relates to the werewolf it mythology does. that you have to kill the werewolf and then you become the werewolf. The only way you can get away with it is to not get bit when you kill it. Like there's something about it dying and the curse transmission. Being broken. Yeah. Yeah. Although people were becoming much more familiar with scientific concepts in the late 1800s, many were still very much in touch with other ideas, older ideas. There was still a powerful connection to thoughts of magic, witchcraft, and other supernatural things. The book goes on to discuss other old traditions, such as using the hair of the dog or eating its cooked heart, as methods of removing whatever magic or invisible force connected the animal to the person that it bit. Mm -hmm. I have several thoughts on this. The first is that it makes me wonder if there's any connection at all to our current practice of euthanizing dogs that bite people. I can't speak for other countries, but in the U.S., if a dog violently bites a person or child or anything, it is euthanized by law. We have to put it down. And I'm assuming they would be tested for rabies just Absolutely. automatically. They will just be. Just to make sure. But they put it down either way. Either way. Yeah. So this is... Yeah, exactly. Either way. And so I've always assumed it had to do with controlling violent dogs, saying we won't allow violent dogs in our society. But now I'm wondering if maybe that's what we say now, but maybe it had origins with this idea that you're supposed to kill the dog to help whatever and was it's bit. just this idea where i don't know for sure i, just don't, I don't know i think maybe like it's just def definitely a carry-on it's like let's not deal with it and then part you know rabies but once they check and it's clear i can see how they can also be like well this dog is kind of bitey <laughs> yeah and just, yeah. and we're so like also sue heavy here like you know i'm gonna see super sue so, so i don't know if they're just like let's just eliminate a lot of legal stuff which is so unfortunate because if the dog is not rabid it just means like it didn't maybe it was scared maybe you Absolutely. just never know what the situation was but yeah who knows what but, that but it's definitely something we do here is the idea is you know, sometimes people have to beg and plead, like, please don't report this dog bite or whatnot. Because if oh, yeah. you bring in, like, a child who's bitten by a dog, like, one of the first things they have to do is, what dog was it? We need to go find it. If it was a stray wild, they're going to check for rabies, but they're going to euthanize. And if it belonged to, like, a neighbor, they're going to euthanize it. And it's hard to get away with keeping your dog alive if it bites someone. It's just, it's a big deal. And, I, and it just, when I was reading this, I just made me wonder, is there some origins to this previous superstitious thought? Right, Who exactly. Knows? My other thought is that it seems like rabies was more culturally significant issue was a more culturally significant I issue than even I had given it credit to. I'm very fortunate to live in a place where it is not something we think about often or even at all. But in other parts of the world, and even here just 100 years ago, it was a huge deal. And it seems so reasonable for stories to arise to educate people, to keep them wary of wild or strange-acting animals, mm -hmm. and the idea of curses and whatnot to make people particularly scared of them. Because everyone's scared of a curse. Because but we I, all know what a curse is. But I also think it was like, because most people, common people, especially before science really would be able to like test for rabies or something like that, curse would have been the way to explain it. Not necessarily used as a weapon to like yeah, insert fear. They, they didn't know the, but they'd be how like, viruses Well, work. this is just a curse. The curse of obviously. the Obviously, yeah. 
A different article suggests that rabies outbreaks might just inspire enough fear that all forms of horror stories tend to run rampant. In fact, rabies might have influence on more than just werewolf mythology. In a 1998 paper published in the scholarly journal Neurology, entitled Rabies, A Possible Explanation for the Vampire Legend, has a similar yet different take. The article suggests that a 1720s outbreak of rabies in Eastern Europe had a profound effect on beliefs and superstitions of the time. During this outbreak, folk tales of vampires became prominent and strongly defined. I can only assume their version of vampires are a far cry from the kinds we see in Hollywood today. Oh, 100%. But, but this article was essentially saying there was a huge rabies outbreak. It was affecting the countryside. All the animals, like, they had to kill animals. They couldn't eat some of their animals. Everything was bad. But vampire folklore exploded in the region and so maybe it had something to do with that also being cursed and maybe their vampires were more animalistic i'm not sure yeah because i mean there are different versions of vampires and like all that evolved too and hollywood for sure has the biggest influence as how to we how we view it today you know absolutely no that's interesting i yeah that's pretty cool because i think like if i'm not mistaken well, I definitely have a story in mind well cover eventually where like perhaps the the vampire really did originate from or at least one of the most nice. influential stories that caused it to shift into what we would more or less know about it today. And I'm not going to say the name because I think it's going to be a, a really good like surprise, but I'm looking forward I'm, to it. Yeah, I'm wondering when I should do that now that I'm talking about it. I don't know. Maybe soon so that it's relevant. Yeah. Good idea. A more recent 2013 article published in the journal Emerging Infectious Diseases entitled Zombies, a Pop Culture Resource for Public Health Awareness, suggests that a considerable amount of stories and lore related to zombies may have originated in cautionary tales and similarities to rabies. It doesn't just reference recent pop culture things, such as the movie 28 Days Later, which literally modeled its zombie infection after rabies, but actually discusses historical parallels. It talks about the beliefs that originate in Haiti and Western Africa, where they pretty much defined what a zombie was, even mm -hmm. the word zombie. And even today, the idea of zombies is very real. And there are laws in many of these places that specifically consider turning someone into a zombie a punishable offense. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Not being a zombie is punishable, I mean, but creating a zombie. So in many of these cultures, zombies can be created from witchcraft or as a result of curses or toxins. But the end result is usually the same. Although versions differ on how zombies act specifically, it isn't hard to imagine what most of us would think was a zombie. Yeah, oh man, there... I think I can't remember where or why I was like looking this up at some point too. But there are specific, like, quote-unquote, potions, but which you were saying, like, voodoo or, or any kind of, like, witchcraft, yeah. that does actually cause a person to, like, behave a certain way, which mm -hmm. varies zombie-esque. And I don't know if that's part of, like, what you're talking about right now, but, yeah, that's also part of stuff that I wanted to talk about eventually. And if you want to cover that one no, day, that's totally cool. I didn't totally go cool. deep into it on purpose. Oh, okay. I was trying to very specifically only stick with rabies parallels. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's so. so much to talk about when it comes oh, to all these gosh. cryptids. I, I wanted yeah. to stick to something very specific. No, that's cool. Now, one thing I can vouch for is while doing my research, I watched a lot of videos of what rabbit animals look like. And I got to say, it was one of the creepiest things I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I can say for certain that the animals definitely had a super obvious look to them. They looked wrong and you could tell they looked wrong. Not just their eyes, but the way they moved. They really did look like zombies. 
I saw one of a fox who wandered up to a glass door. His eyes were vacant. His motions looked undefined and unintentional. He didn't move right. It would randomly show its teeth in an aggressive but still unnatural way, and it would just randomly lick the window, unsure of what it was doing. And it didn't look like a normal animal licking something that it's trying to taste. It did it wrong. Everything was wrong. It was on autopilot, but it looked unhealthy, and it was an aggressive autopilot right it is you can tell and it takes a second to tell i think that there's something deeply rooted like because i've never been around rabbit animals it is definitely a natural reaction it's something that we have evolved or grown or bred we can see it we can tell right away that is wrong i mean it was like looking at zombie animals which was great which was very so scary i think i have like a I definitely have a thing for zombies where I love zombie movies and everything, but I'm not going to lie when I say that it's one of my, like, fears that if something like that ever created, and I don't mean, like, the actual zombie eating brain stuff. I'm talking about more 28 Days Later, where there's, like, a virus Mm -hmm. and everyone kind of turns rabid, which is very, like, rabies. So Mm -hmm. if there's, like, a super rabies virus that goes out there that is transmittable, not just by saliva, but other ways, I think we're so effed. We're screwed. (laughs) So the too long did not read version of all of this is that rabies may have actually been one of the driving forces for creating some portion of werewolf, vampire, and zombie folklore. And all I know is that on Hair of the Werewolf, none of us are hydrophobic because all we do is drink. <laughs> yeah, we're like the cool kind of werewolf, so I don't know. That's that's the story I'm sticking to. <laughs> and that's my story. Woohoo! Oh my god, that's a really good one. It actually kind of scared me because that's a very scary topic and also super insane that these kind of reports, especially like you said, the media, newspaper or whatever at the time were kind of reporting would have in context put it somehow like folklore or Well, yeah, if you read that and they said, oh yeah, he had hydrophobia, which they still didn't know what viruses were and a lot of people weren't calling it rabies yet. Yeah. But the article acknowledged it was because he was bit by a strange dog sometime before. I don't think it would have been five years before. If this story happens to be true, it would have been less than a year. I mean... It it probably would have been just weeks or months prior that that could have happened. But they still acknowledge in the article, creepy dog bites guy while later he descends into madness. And the way it was written was very much like the way you tell people to be scared. Like, don't get around any creepy dogs. He bites you. You're going to go mad and eat your wife. Oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy (laughs) stuff. Like, straight up folklore. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yay. Thank you. That's my story. Thank you for that story. But anyway, thank you guys for listening that are going to not listen to us talk about this amazing movie, which I recommend doing. Yeah, and it's movie time. So let's get into it. So today we are going to cover our last movie for December and possibly our last movie until Halloween, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, This one we saved for last because it is definitely the most Christmassy of them all. It was super Christmassy. Oh, yes. So today we're going to talk about the movie A Christmas Horror Story. Now, many people might be turned off by the somewhat generic name or bland-looking poster used on whatever place you happen to be streaming it from, because we were too. In fact, the only reason we originally watched it was out of desperation for something (laughs) horror-themed around Christmas. Yeah, we were running out of movies. Yeah, we're used to seeing really horrible and cheesy stuff. Like, we can handle it. Oh, yeah. We're used to it, and we figured, oh, this is just going to be another one, expecting we'd be unable to remember it three days later, like, Mm -hmm. the specifics of it. But I'd be lying if I said we weren't completely surprised by it. Reviews seem to be all over the place. There seems to be people who love it and people who hate it. There isn't a lot of middle ground. So it's definitely a polarizing movie when it comes to that. So some people, if this is your first time watching and you hated it, sorry. And if you loved it, (laughs) awesome. The one thing I can promise, though, is the 
initial story when it opens is a little bit out there. It's so jarring because you're like, what the f- fuck am I watching? Like, it's so cartoon, not cartoony, but it's out there. It's a little goofy and you're just not sure where it's going because it's so it's a cold open. Basically. It gets, it's kooky. And I yeah. promise you want to give the movie at least like 20 minutes before mm-hmm. you go, because we'll get into why we'll get into why so christmas horror story was released in 2015 and it's an anthology movie meaning it contains multiple stories all of which are intertwined and related to each other in some sort of way and if i'm not mistaken each of the stories has a different director which leads them to each having a different style and tone not just a different plot in this respect it's not unlike the vhs movie so if you like those it kind of is like that you might have a favorite story a least favorite story Mm -hmm. things like that while you do it And different people are going to react very differently. There are four stories in this movie, and they are all told in pieces interchanging between each other throughout the film. The movie opens with what will be the final story as well, and it follows Santa himself. This is what we meant by weird. Like, it's literally saying Santa exists. (laughs) Yeah. Santa himself, whose elves have become overburdened with an infection reminiscent of zombies. It is definitely the weirder of the stories. And when you first watch it, you're like, what am I watching? Yeah. And then the rest of the the stories are much more human stories with horror elements. And they are. They're, like, you know, within the same world. And very much like if you guys have seen Trick or Treat... It, it is the same world. They're all interconnected, not necessarily directly, but, uh, for example, like, one of them would have known each other, except not in the story. Exactly. Is it, is it relevant? They'll exactly. just mention, like, oh, I know this person, and then you'll see their story and, and whatnot. So I would say that even though the Santa story is very bizarre, it's still somehow going to be connected altogether. Absolutely. The second story follows teenagers who break into an old school to get video footage of a room where a gruesome murder took place. As you can assume, whenever teenagers are involved, creepy (laughs) things begin to occur. The third story follows a family of three that travel to get a Christmas tree out in the forest. And during their trip, their son wanders off and is missing for quite some time. When they find him, something is very wrong. I'm not going to say more because that's super spoilery. And the final story, or at least the, the fourth story is a family that's gone on vacation to visit their old crotchety aunt out in the countryside. <laughs> crotchety aunt. Crotchety. I never get to use that word often, so I'm happy to uh, This uh, actually would, is very appropriate. Well done. <laughs> as evil as the aunt seems, the visiting family, you'd learn, is full of selfish and disrespectful people itself. After a cold welcome, the family decides to leave, but is unexpectedly attacked by a sinister force. And then there's William Shatner. <laughs> who has his own segments that are kind of their own thing, but kind of not. It's hard to explain without ruining anything. He's a radio broadcaster with segments between the other stories, and he is kind of a bit part of the film, and I assumed it would be a throwaway role, but in hindsight, I really think it added a lot. He's kind of just getting drunk and talking about Christmassy stuff on the radio and playing the music, yeah. and it's kind of one of the ways that the stories bleed into each other, because you hear the music playing in multiple segments and everything. It's right. it's a pretty smart way to remind you that everything's happening in the same world. All right. So that that's just the premise. That's the whole premise that we're uh if the movie sounds interesting and you haven't seen it from that, you should totally watch it. Lily, what was your favorite of the four stories? Ooh. I for me, oh god, I don't know. Like I feel like every time I watch it, I'm just I, I go back and they're forth. all good. They're all, a bad they're all one. great. Yeah. I would say for me it's between the family who loses the little boy and mm-hmm. the Santa story. So I am, I'm there with you. The Santa one, which when we said, when you start the movie, it's jarring. You're like, what the heck is happening? Cause 
I, I want to preface something where we know we're watching a horror film, which is already going to be stupid. You have to suspend your disbelief. He's like, oh, yeah, vampires and monsters and worlds like we talked about. But for some reason, when Santa's there, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is getting crazy. This people. got a little too crazy. It's a little too dumb. Like, that's how I was. But I can promise you, if you give the movie a chance by the end of the film, the Santa goes from being the one weird one that every time it cuts back to the Santa story, you're like, why am I watching this part? And then at the end, it became my favorite of the story. Yeah, I think it because of that reason, it is my favorite. But to be fair, the one with the family, uh, with the three, the mom, dad, and little kid, that one is just consistently awesome throughout. So I would also argue that's the one of the, all the stories that could have been its own movie easily. Oh, uh, by oh, itself. for sure. For sure. Yeah, that could have been a great movie on its own. And we can't tell you why. If we told you what it was specifically happening in there... You, you would know because it's something I think you're I mean, actually going to talk about on a future episode because it relates to something very specific. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, oh, in the end, they were vampires. You're like, well, I wish you didn't tell me. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it's kind of like a cool thing to like find out along the way. So, yeah, no, it's really, really great. Great movie. Great holiday movie. I'd say my least favorite story was the one of the family visiting the aunt. I think that was my least favorite one, too. It was still good, but... I don't think it had the same satisfaction at the end. Most of them had really, which is weird because endings. it kind of has a. Str- I don't know. I don't want to say an str- important ending. An important ending, I should say. It yeah. has an important ending, but where most of the other ones kind of left me feeling creeped out or scared, like they left that ominous, creepy thing that you want a horror movie to leave you mm-hmm. with. This one felt it ended more like an action film, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. It even had a one-liner, and I was oh, like, yeah. oh, okay. It's like, nice. But once again, like we said, different directors doing their own thing. This is a movie to watch if you're willing to have fun with the movie and let it have fun. Some of the creepy stories are legitimately creepy like any and horror movie. And it can movie. be pretty uh, graphic. It can course, be graphic. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily something to watch with kids. You see Christmas Horse and you're like, oh, hey, look. Um, oh, no, no, no. This is not for children, I think. And I can also say, for those of you that are interested, Krampus is in this movie. Uh, a lot of people, when they when it pops up on your newsfeed, this movie pops up right next to a movie called Krampus. We've seen both. Krampus is in both of them. I think this one does it better. I agree. I like this one more. So... I would give this movie, I fight, probably three and a half out of five howls, only because oh. it, it still isn't perfect, and it still struggles, and when I watch it, I can still remember our reaction when we first saw it, and why it might turn away people, so it's not flawless, and it's not perfect, but I do want to watch it every Christmas. I think because of, definitely vibe for me, so I'm not one of those people that even at the end, I was like, no, I love this movie, and it's Christmassy, so it's like perfect with the Super season. Super Christmassy. I'm going to give it four to five howls. Hell yeah. Yeah. And by the way, even if you get five minutes in the movie and you say, I'm not going to watch this, it opens with my favorite rendition of Carol of the Bells with like creepy kids singing it. Oh, it yeah. super good. So at the very least, that's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. So yeah, so there we go. Final movie of 2021 and last one for a long time so if you joined us we hope you really enjoyed it if you didn't join us in the movies and you heard this and you think it sounds good give it a shot it's still christmas season until new year so you've got a week got time so enjoy it so there we go well i hope you guys enjoyed this episode because this was a really good one and just like at the end of the year i always feel like a little sad and a little excited for next year and hopefully you guys feel the same way we're gonna still be around so we'll see you then and of course, if you guys want to like submit a story that you want us to tell in our next listener episode, please do so at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on social media, so if you guys want to like chit-chat there, we're always here. Yeah, I think if there's anything else, 
you want to say, Chase? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we want to wish you all Happy New Year's, and we hope that you all stay safe for every reason you can stay safe. And if you drink a little too much to celebrate the new year and wake up on New Year's Day feeling a little rough, don't worry, we will be there too. <laughs> because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. Bye.